We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The Pit and the Pendulum up for discussion today by none other than Edgar Allan Poe. Are you the Pit or are you the Pendulum? I am the Poe, is what I am. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) So we're going to walk through this story today and talk about its hidden meanings. And I have a prediction that I think I know what your interpretation is. We like playing the interpretation game here. I think I know what yours is. Just give me a yes or no. Did you go the religious route with this one? (laughs) Come on, you know. Of course I did. Okay. I'm predictable, if anything. (laughs) So I've got a different one for you, so I think we can kind of bounce some ideas back and forth here about different ways of looking at it, which is what our channel's all about, right? Just looking at literature in different ways. So this is a story where we open up with a narrator overhearing his sentence to death, right? And their lips have a stern contempt of human torture. Could have fooled me, just saying. And the the narrator sees like these seven candles appear. They kind of look like white angels, and then they become, quote, meaningless specters. Go ahead and hit me. I, I know you want to say it. Just just start with your interpretation. Where are you going with this one? Oh, well, obviously, there's so much symbolism throughout the whole story of... Seven Deadly Sins, uh, there's the Apocalypse, the the Horseman, the, the death and torment and torture, uh, you're eternally damned, it, 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 pick and choose, <laughs> it's all over the place. Well, I'll tell you this, it's very surreal, it felt like a man was condemned, and he's put into this cell, which, I don't know, what is it, is it purgatory, is it hell? Is the pit hell? You know, like what does it what does it mean that he gets bread and water? There, there's a lot of symbolism here that I think we can kind of explore. But another way to look at this is perhaps you'll notice the next part. He starts coming in and out of consciousness. He calls it the swoon, <laughs> if you will, and it's this dreamlike experience where he talks about first the spirit returns to the body, and then the body. Right? And if you if you if you're aware and awake through that first part, then you have more knowledge and such. That another way to look at this is kind of like a dive into madness that Poe is very well known for, where, you know, the the fact that he's condemned, we don't know what his crime was. We don't really know who's condemning him. They say, you know, inquisitors. So it's kind of implying this this Catholic Inquisition, you know, which has the religious tone to it as well. But the fact that the man has this lack of knowledge or care for what he's done wrong, like he doesn't feel guilt, it makes me wonder a little bit more about the conscious and unconscious experience, and is he kind of like one of those people that is suppressing perhaps some evil in his life? As a reader, I love how Poe takes you and puts you in that position. Most of us could probably relate to this unknown fear. We don't know what happens after death. The narrator is unsure why he's being punished. He's unsure who his punishers are. And I think that adds to this suspense, 
this this fearfulness as you, the reader, uh, relating to the narrator and going through the story with him, that knowledge is key. And I think that if you had the knowledge, you would have better understanding, and then you would have maybe access to salvation. And I think that's where I go kind of the religious route, that if this narrator had the knowledge of religion, he could achieve salvation. There's something to be said about how he wants death, right? And and if he did mm. have religion by his side, I think we would have that conversation of salvation. But since he doesn't have it, what's that mean? And, you know, you always hear about how humans have this biological desire to to thrive, to multiply, to move forth. And I think that's even a command in the Bible too, right? What does it mean when someone wants to to rest, right? He, he even says that death would be a rest because there's something to be said about, it's kind of a controversial subject. Uh, it's been debated hotly ever since it was proposed. And, and a couple of people have, have picked this up and tried to be the champion, uh, the champion for it. But have you ever heard of the, um, the death drive? The death drive? No, yeah. do tell. Yeah, well, it, it again, a controversial name when you bring it up, but, but Freud originally proposed it, picked up by Lycan and others down the, road, or, uh, down the road. But think of it this way. If life was as simple as we seek pleasure, avoid pain, why? Like, what would be the, the evolutionary purpose of having to relive trauma? Right now, in your in in like a Christian interpretation of it, the the idea of guilt is meant to be kind of like perhaps like that that push towards choosing better options or to come clean and confess, perhaps. But let's say you aren't taking that route and you're just like, okay, I had this traumatic experience. Why do I constantly dream about it? Why do I return to it? What's what's the advantage of that? And even like with the way that some people like right before they get success, like, you know, you've probably heard of the term like self-sabotage where they, they just yeah, okay, mess yeah. things up. It's Yeah, that it's, was literally popping in my head. Yeah. So a lot of psychologists kind of start to wonder, are there more forces at play than just pleasure seeking? And one of them is the death drive. The idea of not necessarily seeking death, but in terms of resetting almost a, a search for nothing. I think you probably hear from a philosophy standpoint, nihilism, like that, that life is meaningless. Well, there's also this idea that you can return to nothingness. And that return to nothingness is a creativity moment. It allows you to restart, to retry almost. And it's like that that purpose of not achieving something to allow someone to kind of re restart in a sense. So to me, I was wondering, why does this man not remember what he did wrong? And why is he searching for the nothingness, the rest, right? To me, he was almost trying to seek a restart in his life, I kind of felt like. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of like that theory. Definitely takes it a different route than the religious one that, of course, I went to. I think about that as you you said this. As we go through the story, and, and we can discuss a little bit more of that as, as we go through, I think about, well, the narrator maybe hasn't given up. I also think about it uh, in the fact that he does try to survive and live as he's being tortured or there are these death devices that are trying to kill him in one way or another. He eludes them. He, he doesn't necessarily want to die, or at least he wants to die on his own terms and not theirs. So there is something to be said about that. But also the fact that, you know me, I take this very literally sometimes. If he has been captured and maybe beaten and he's unconscious or semi-conscious, the dude probably got a concussion, uh, you know, and who knows what that could do to your memory. 
I don't know if he is purposely forgetting his past, quote, sins, maybe, as I look at it from a religious standpoint. But it, it's definitely something, I think, to discuss of what is the drive for death or the drive away from death. And I think that is a good point that I took away from the story uh, that, that Poe was kind of speaking to me of what does force us to look at our own life, look at our own death, and the choices that we make for one or the other. The pit or the pendulum. <laughs> it's kind of like, regardless of who you are, whether and whether you be, what you believe in the afterlife, you've got this little bar underneath, you know, your character, your, your person, you, and there's like a little bar that's just constantly going down, no matter what. Like you're not living forever. Like as you're watching this video, your bar is going down. <laughs> <laughs> so dark, right? You, well, but isn't that kind of what this man experiences? as he's looking at this pendulum swinging down towards him, right? There's an inevitability of death is coming towards you, right? And the actions that you take, are you going to regret them or are you going to embrace them at the end? Cause, cause the only way he's going to get out of this. Okay. Well, he does come up with actually a really creative way. Like he's strapped down on this wooden board, right? And there's rats everywhere coming out of potentially this, this well, I'm not sure. But when we look at this well, I, I would have thought you would have thought said that that well represented hell and this cell was purgatory, right? He's burning off of his sins right now is kind of how I viewed it. Because when you look at like the, the biblical description of like, I mean, it uses the term hell, like hell exists, well, shul translated, you know, a way you can translate that is hell in the Bible. And it's described as flames, which, you know, is very common depiction in art, but it's also described as eternal darkness, right? Which means when, when life is over, are you going to be tortured or are you going to have, is it just the end? You don't get eternal life. And I kind of viewed that pit from a religious standpoint as him moving into that, that eternal death, the eternal sleep that he won't return from. And these, these sins, purgatory, the rats coming to eat him <laughs> to burn off the sin. But then he it's comes up with scene. like this, well, he comes up with a really creative way, like with the rats to bite the, the bandages the so that he can kind of escape. Yeah. It, it It is so unlike Poe because, well, first of all, continuing down the hell thought, right? Like the walls start caving in on the man and they're burning hot. Like, okay, we're burning. And this is the eternal, uh, this is the flames conversation of hell, pushing him towards that eternal darkness. And then unlike usual Poe fashion, there's like this flip at the end where he's like, it's re he's rescued. Like we got trumpets blaring. General LaSalle shows up. Like what's going on here? He's saved. And I think that this is something that really hits home on the religious standpoint is that Yes, God will give you the tools, but you have to use them in order to almost kind of save yourself. Like your ultimate salvation, uh, I think that Poe uh, maybe is saying is part religion, part your own self-understanding, uh, self-sacrifice, or your own self-determination. Because the man didn't just lay there and say, please help me, someone save me. He saved himself first, and then he was saved by, quote, a higher power, the general LaSalle, uh, which I thought was really cool. But, yeah, the genius of putting the, the – he has a little bit of food and water, and he grabs the bread and puts it on the leather straps and frees himself because the rats eat it away. And then, you know, he runs from the pit and finally gets saved. And it's very unlike Poe to have a, quote, happy ending. I was just – I was blown away as I read this a second time since high school of – how meaningful this can be for one of the choices that you make in your life can help determine your future. Maybe not all of your future, but it definitely is an impact. 
You know, General LaSalle is an actual real historic figure, right? Oh, yeah. He was a real person. He got captured. Um, I can't remember which battle it is. Like they're around in Germany somewhere or like that or in the Poland area. And uh, he gets uh, captured or killed. I think he gets killed, right? Oh, yeah. Battle of Wagram, right? And if you so, OK, obviously, you know that this is the Napoleonic Wars, right? And if we're going back to the subconscious unconscious discussion, part of, to me, the Napoleonic discussion, well, the the French Revolution discussion, too, depending on, you know, it's very questionable as to when one starts, when one begins, kind of. But you had this movement of, of liberty, this idea of throwing off the shackles of religion, the idea of throwing off uh, monarchies, in a sense. I think Napoleon was kind of his own monarchy. <laughs> I don't think they did a great job with that one. But the idea being that the, <laughs> the, the people felt oppressed and they were throwing off the shackles in the same sense that this man is throwing off perhaps the shackles of religion in a sense for some type of uh, earthly reward. I think he's repressed his unconscious mind, his his sins of the past, and it's causing to, it's torturing him. It's literally the guilt that he's feeling. But rather than waiting for like that religious experience, to me, he's freed by by General LaSalle, by the French Revolution, perhaps, with the idea of throwing off the shackles of needing to wait for religion or needing to wait for a higher power. It doesn't even have to be religion to save you, that the power became more into the people's hands in a sense. And that's what this man needed. Like He needed to realize that he could take his own uh, future in, into his own effect. He, he had to tackle his own demons of the past for the sins that he's created and and buried in his subconscious almost it's really cool how this story it literally is the pendulum and i know that that part of the story gets a lot more play because it is more of the highlight than than the pit and i think the pit is a little bit more obvious but a pendulum is you know the device that's swinging back and forth and this story feels like it just swings back and forth as the the narrator he has his faculties at one moment, I feel like, and then he kind of loses them as he's going in and out of consciousness and knowing and not knowing. And I feel like it's a perfect allegory for our lives. Sometimes we feel like our lives, we know exactly what's going on and we, we, we have our job worked out. We know what is going on with our family. We have our hobbies. Everything is perfectly in line. And then there's other parts of your life or other times in your life where everything's a mess and you have no clue what's going on. And it feels like rats are at your throat eating on you. The walls are closing in. You get that anxiety in your heart beating and then it's okay again. And I, I think that, that it is really perfect analogy for how our lives go sometimes, that they swing back and forth and back and forth, and there's always that pit looming on the side. <laughs> it is another masterfully crafted story by Poe. Believe it or not, this is actually our ninth Poe talk. Playlist down below, if you don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. All right. My name is Ben Una. Thank you for spending some time with us. Let us know what your thoughts are on this story. Did you have a different interpretation? Let us know in the comments down below. Peace out. Peace.